Welcome to Play, Learn, Teach. We bring early childhood educators together to ask questions about raising children in these challenging times. This episode has been sponsored by OLA. Our Certificate 3 and Diploma courses teach early childhood through the head, heart and hand. If you want to sing, dance and craft every day, talk to us about careers in early childhood education. Welcome everybody to today's episode of the Play, Learn, Teach podcast. Uh, If you're tuning in via Apple or Spotify, please visit our site, igniteminds.com.au slash podcasts, where you will find additional commentary, links and resources. Please scroll to the bottom and leave your questions. We love to hear your thoughts and we love speaking with you. Hello everybody. Welcome again to our podcast for today. Um, I'm Carol Ignitsky, Education Leader for Ignite Minds Family Daycare. And Jake Wearing is with me, Nation Coordinator, and we are about to talk about how do we create an environment for children that helps nourish them. Last week we talked about storytelling and how what's really important is to develop imagination and be able to create all kinds of stories out of our imagination, helping to nourish and extend children's imagination. And that was from an inward point of view. Today, we're going to look at it from an outward point of view, looking at the environment and seeing what do we need? What are the essentials enable the children to flourish? And in a way, what is mirrored back to the children that is really a key is nature. Nature is our go-to place, just like it is to help us develop our imagination Nature out there is our ally with regards to how we can create an environment that helps children feel they belong. And I think that for me, Jake, I know that you would agree with me there, is children have arrived on the earth and need to feel at home in everything that they do and everything that they see. So coming home gives you that foundation of sense of belonging. And home, if you think about nature, is a place where there's beauty and order. Um, I think what's absolutely key there is essential archetypes is sand and water. That is what everything is made of, is water and sand, something mineral, so that there is form. If you put sand and water together, you get clay. And that is what the basic forms are of everything on the earth. They need open-ended resources that leave room for the imagination of the children. So things that can become anything. And they need natural objects um, where they feel they are empowered to make of these things what they wish. So I would love to hear you, Jake, talk about what you do uh, with regard to the environment. I've loved seeing your home change and transform and using places that were not used, little corridors outside, I never would have imagined you finding a use for that little corridor. So um, can you tell us what you do and how you work with that? Yes, thanks, Carol. Uh, So I've been running a family daycare from a house in Melbourne for the last six years and by all accounts it's a very typical house it's, it's an older house on a typical size block so 
it's not farmland or, or acreage or anything like that. It's just your usual square block. And yeah, we've really uh, worked on the place using the children as our guide to instruct how we shape and design and plan the space so that uh, free play can happen on a constant basis. So there's a energy of free flow, of, of free play, and uh, one action leads into another action. And so a story, like a, a narrative of, of play, builds throughout the day. And my overall objective has been to sustain that feeling of uh, free play and that narrative for as long as possible because because then uh, the children really get to enter deeply into that into a world of, of, of play and the this narrative which is occurring within them uh, in the environment and it's about planting this the seed of a story within the child for them to be able to play out that story in the environment uh, is is really important so and the children I do this with though so anything that's happening in their world today, they will play out in the home. And the idea is that the home becomes a place where, they, where children can process the big ideas of life through play. Uh, initially, uh, the space was set up for adults, to, to be honest. It was, you know, usually when you set up a house, you have your uh, living room with the TV and the couch and the kitchen with the dining table. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a pretty standard format for most houses, especially in Australia, I found. Whereas in our place, it's a little bit different. Like the, the main space is, is a play space for children. So there's no TV and no, no couch even. There's just a, a big mat which we keep free. So there's a free space for free flow play in the middle of that play area. And then there's uh, some objects around that space which the children can uh, get into. So because a lot of the time uh, when you hear other presenters talking about the environment uh, or an enabling environment or a positive learning environment, it's it's in this way of, uh, you, you know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean when I say open-ended toys. So I'm going to try and list as many resources and objects that I can think of to create a picture you as you listen. And I'll do this by talking about our indoor space first, and then we'll move into the outdoor space and see what that looks like. So indoors, like I mentioned, there's a main play space with a big uh, rug on the floor, which we try and keep uh, free, as in you know, not cluttered or there's nothing there which blocks the flow of play. It's like a gathering place where objects can be brought into it to create uh, a play space or, or, or a scene or a narrative type of play. So uh, luckily we've got a fireplace which we can't use, but in that fireplace we've got lots of blocks of wood, different kinds of wood, some with holes in them, some that have made, been made into gates, uh, some that I've whittled away and made into different shapes, but other, others are actually just cutoffs of our Christmas tree, some pine blocks that are in there, or, or blocks that we've uh, found you know, in our walks about. And they become really useful props in stories that the children tell or that, that I tell to the children. And then around that, of course, we've got the soft teddies, which, which are wonderful for telling stories to, or the children often, uh, especially if there's a mum having a baby, they'll stuff a, stuff a soft teddy into their shirt and carry a baby around with them. Little uh, puzzle pieces in there, um, the, 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 the rainbow sets that you can get. Uh, we also have another area, which is for the kitchen 
corner or uh, some people call it the home corner and this has lots of uh, different kids kitchen type things pots and pans and ladles and some of them are kids versions so smaller versions of the adults type uh, some of them are just just adult versions and actually a lot of the time the children come into uh, my children especially come into the kitchen and take out some tongs and take them to their the, the kids' kitchen. They really quite like the adult versions. You know, they want the real thing. They don't want a pretend tong or a, a pretend spoon. They would prefer to have the real thing, just like mum and dad. Um, so what else have we got indoors? Uh, we've got a table to make a, to make a cafe so that the children can lay the table and invite their friends and have tea together. Uh, we've got uh, a cubby making material, so uh, boxes are great, as, as everyone knows. Blankets to go over the boxes or to connect boxes together. They're also awesome. And that's pretty much it for our indoor space. There's a few things, but it's really important also, from a Feng Shui's perspective, to have no clutter. And this is what you were talking about before, Carol, is to have uh, order and beauty in the home. So. My routine is that I, I clean in the evenings before uh, before going to bed, and then in the morning, I will tidy. So I'll make the space uh, neat and tidy. I'll have all the kids' kitchen stuff uh, in place, so the little pots all arranged and the little cups up on the second shelf, maybe some you know salt and pepper pretend shakers there in the right spot, the kitchen looking fairly neat and tidy and ready to create something in, the blocks put away in the in the fireplace, the, the nice rainbow, wooden rainbow set up, ready to be played with, and the books nicely put away. And that's inviting to the children. There might be some scenes. I might have set up a nature table, which is a seasonal arrangement of uh, nature objects that you can find around uh, in that time of year, and you can arrange that nicely on a on a table, uh, which is really inviting for children to engage with. And I put a bit of effort before eight eight o'clock when the children arrive to really set up the space. And I really feel that that brings in such uh, good positive energy. Um, it's, it's I'm trying to find the words to ex describe it. Where my intention, my uh, awareness, where my awareness goes, energy has flowed, and the children sense that, and they are drawn to that uh, quite like magnets. They're drawn to that energy like magnets, and they can then sense the purpose of the arrangement and then get into the, into the game. I just love the picture that you've created, and I think, you know, um, you spoke about a prepared environment. I mean, in the early childhood, childhood setting, a lot of people know kind of what that means. But the way you've spoken about it is really significant that you're preparing the environment with your energy that the children come into when they arrive. And I think that's a very significant um, thing to do. Uh, I know that, for instance, when I have my grandchildren coming over, before they come, I just think about them and I think, oh, I'm going to set up a little scene in the corner of the lounge that they'll just come across and it will invite them to play. So I'm setting the scene that they'll just find, or they might not find, so I just um, provide the kind of playful possibilities and then leave it to them to discover these things and play with them. So I think it's really significant that you prepare the way you do. Um, I think what's also important is just to say that it's um, fantastic, especially indoors, 
that children are allowed to be free and they're allowed to bring things in and out and make chaos and be very, um, bring everything into disorder in a way because that is the really important part of the creative process, anybody's creative process. And for us to have children that aren't too kind of constricted and feel like everything's got to be okay, the nervousness that comes from always having order is a really important thing to work with when they're very young and to allow for disorder because it's in the disorder that new creative impulses can come. And then, of course, everything has to be rolled back into its home. And so I know that you do that with the children as well, that there's a time when we put everything back in its home and there's a seeming order that we bring to bear on the space. So I just want to add that little bit to the indoor space because I know sometimes people can feel that they're going a little bit crazy with all the disorder. But if you know that it's part of a process and you know that there will come a time where it all needs to go back in its home and you have lovely songs to accompany placing everything back in its home together as a team of people, then you can withstand the disorder. So Jake, um, I would love to hear about your outdoor area and what you do there um, that adds to the children's experience of being nourished. And... Yeah, I totally agree with you about uh, the chaos and the order. Um, children do particularly like the chaos and this can be uh, quite challenging for parents and educators where uh, you might have created this space and set up this beautiful scene or play space uh, with your love and energy, and then it might be uh, played with or destroyed within a matter of minutes. And and then the, the, the rug that I was talking about indoors, which we try and keep clear, becomes uh, cluttered with chaos and quite quickly. Um, and I would just like to, before moving on to the outdoor space, because this applies to both indoor and outdoor, is I, I can share with you a secret song uh, for anyone to learn and sing at home. And uh, this will help you and the children in the pack up time. And it's a magic song. Uh, when you start singing it, you can pack up slowly and peacefully and calmly uh, without getting uh, anxious or nervous and the children will follow they might not at first but they'll they'll pick it up and and they'll join in too so it goes like this it's time to pack up everything and put it all away pack up everything and put it all away pack up everything and put it all away save it for another day it's time to and it goes on like that it's just repetitive and uh, you can sing it so for as long as it takes to tidy up nice and uh, calmly um there's lots of other songs that's the one i uh, that's my go-to pack-up song and it, and like i said it keeps me nice and calm in that otherwise anxious time yeah, and this, that song can be used indoors or outdoors. Uh, as we move outdoors at my place, we're lucky that we have a, a beautiful deck, which is like a, a midway between the indoor and the outdoor. It, it's a, a bit of both. We can play on the deck, even if it, when it's raining, and it's really nice to spend a lot of time out there. We've actually got a, a couch out on the deck, and we have uh, musical instruments out there. It, it's, it's more uh, palatable to me as an educator with uh, music happening outdoors than in, indoors. The echoing can be quite overwhelming indoors with lots of children. So my music is outdoors in a music corner. 
so uh, percussion instruments we've got a marimba we have often have some ukuleles there too um, we've got a big uh, table outside uh, for all the children to have lunch at together um, and then we've also got a craft table and this is a really important space the, the craft table is a space where there's always things or resources uh, available to the children so uh, paper and crayons, scissors even, you know, child safe scissors. Children love cutting up pieces of paper to create more chaos. There's uh, chalk in there too. Um, I actually hold the paint back. I, I sort of administer the paint so that I can manage where that goes. But otherwise, there's lots of paper, uh, crayons and pencils and scissors ready to go whenever they need at the craft table. Uh, then we have a, a cubby with its own little deck and cubbies are great spaces that's the children's home and this can be as they wish so if it's uh, messy then it's messy if it's tidied up then it's clean but it's it's really uh, becomes what the children make of it and I, I don't have too much involvement with what's in there other than filling it up with loose parts which is another key ingredient in our outdoor space so the loose parts I'm talking about are things like gum nuts or pieces of string. Um, you can have paddle pop sticks or just sticks which you've whittled down into into a nice shape, taking the bark off with a with a knife or even a butter knife. Uh, you can have uh, you could have crystals or beads depending on the age of your children for safety, and lots of uh, fleece as well is a great thing to have in there, uh, and any other little bits and pieces which uh, you think can be part of a game and you don't have to have them all there ready for you now or you don't need to know what they all are the children will uh, guide you and tell you what they what they need in their play so you'll see them uh, the children playing a game and you'll notice that they could do with uh, some uh, something to like some string to tie up their uh, bags or to tie up the pieces of sticks that they've found um, and yeah so having those things available and ready for the children to pick up gives them the autonomy and keeps that free flow of, of energy moving to, to have to keep that free play narrative going uh, so any other areas of the outdoor space we've got some movement activities which sounds special it's just some logs some big logs which i've put into the ground in uh fairly, maybe a meter apart and so the children can jump between the logs there's uh, a balance beam too which is just a beam placed between two of those logs there's a little ramp which is fun to scoot down on a on a wooden truck and uh, there's a path which is very inviting so that we've made a bridge out of a upturned table and the children can follow the bridge around there's a little garden path and it leads back it leads out to the sandpit and then back into the in, onto the deck and the cubby. So everything's kind of shaped uh, based on the children's movements. And that's something I've been watching over the years and putting moving things around. I'm not afraid to you know, move the sandpit completely from here to over there or build a deck here or make a path there. And so that um, the children, children's uh, free movement um, can be facilitated. And this is actually happening on a professional level uh, with um, design. So. Uh, architects are now uh, building houses or office buildings and then 
observing how people move around them and then putting the paths in afterwards. So they're using the people to guide their planning, which is what uh, the, the approach that we've taken at our place, and it really does work. So the sand pit, like you said at the beginning of this talk, the sand and the water are, are totally fundamental. They're an absolute must and they go together. So often at the park, you'll have a, a sand pit, but there might not be water or there might be water quite a long way away. I, at our place, I have a sand pit with a rainwater tank, which is collecting rainwater from the roof and a little tap, which the children can access whenever they wish. And uh, so there's water right next to the sand pit so they can you know, dig up some sand in a put it in a pot uh, fill it up with water and then mix it about to make a make a mud paste or if they want to get really creative i've got uh, in the garden which is another key aspect of our space uh, we grow mint which i highly recommend for anyone uh, if you're going to grow anything just grow some mint it's, it's actually a root crop mainly with uh, because the runners go down quite deep into the into the soil and they're protected from pulling hands, uh, the leaves, which um, grow very uh, quickly, so they're, they're fast replacing, and they smell beautiful. And uh, so the children can pick as many as they wish, and they'll immediately get that beautiful scent. Uh, There's so a multi-sensory experience, and they can use the mint in their, in their cooking at the, at the mud kitchen. And uh, that's really lovely. I can always smell when the children have picked the mint, and they can pick as much as they want, and I know that it, it will grow back. So, yeah, we try and keep uh, the objects in the garden and indoors as uh, close as possible to this to their natural form. And and by that, I mean, uh, as so the fleece that we have is is the raw fleece. We've got sand, which is totally fundamental. We've got water. We're not adding anything to it. It's, it's in its raw state. So sticks are preferable to um, uh, to uh, poles or or anything man-made and uh, I'm kind of alluding to the point where if there's a plastic pusher in our backyard or even a plastic bucket and spade they, they sort of stick out like a sore thumb and I, I can really see the the, the color it just doesn't sit well in in the space it's um it's the odd one out in in our in our place and often uh it's the one thing which will get broken or damaged or cause problems with uh sharing so we try and keep things as close to their natural uh state as possible um and that really guides the play and can uh like we were talking about before it keeps that free flow of play happening no one gets overly attached to something super special because it's all natural objects which become alive with children's energy this episode has been sponsored by dragonflytoys.com.au play experiences that are beautiful enchanting strong and safe environmentally friendly and fairly traded yeah that's really a wonderful um, picture that you that you paint and having seen it I know what it looks like and I just love seeing the children flow as they do they're a little bit like if you ever watch butterflies in the garden um, and especially when you've got a lot they kind of come together in groups and then it separates out and three go off one way and two another way and they get busy around a flower and you know there's this beautiful kind of organic um, movement that happens uh, free flow um, so true. I think, um, you know, what I found 
really important just because you've mentioned it is that um, anything artificial, an artifice, you know, to create something artificial immediately kind of gets in the way. Um, and it's just quite interesting. So I'm not purist about it. If you need something plastic because that serves a purpose, well, then you have it, as you say, you might have a bucket or you might have something um, that you need to be uh, plastic. But generally, um, I find that these things crack and break and they're not very pleasant to have around. And they somehow interfere with the children's imagination because they're pretty stuck and stiff. So I think if I had to um, think about what parents and educators can do at home, um, I would say what we've said already, sand and water. I used to work with childminders in apartments and they would have lots of children. There wasn't proper regulation in South Africa, lots of children in an apartment and nothing natural inside. And I would say, put down a plastic builder sheet, bring a bucket of sand, put down water, and you can supervise them and let the children play in sand and water. They will be busy for hours. They never tire of that. Um, people who like to have clean homes with very easily managed places, concrete and flower boxes, really, you do need to have sand and water. Your child will be very happy playing in that. And my children who range from the ages of now, today, about 50 and 38, um, they all used to play together in the sandpit. So I would have teenagers and toddlers all in the sandpit creating all kinds of amazing things together. It's a wonderful celebration to be in sand and water. And of course, I used to play there too. It's very lovely to be there. So that's number one. Um, play is very lovely to have, which is really sand and water together. With play, you can make things, you can make little figures that actually stay together that you can put in your sandpit. Um, cloth, as you say, you've got silks. I think cloths that can become anything, a cape to a scarf around your head, um, to something that you tie together and you make a long row of cloths tied together. They are wonderful things to have. And I remember a colleague of mine saying she made sure that there were lots of aprons in the centre because children could use aprons in any way. Again, you could tie the apron strings over your head and have a little hat. You could do all kinds of things with them and then, of course, tie them together to make um, hangings or to, um, to fly with. So aprons are actually a lovely innovation that can become anything. Bits of wood, you were talking about pebble shells, feathers, felted story mats are lovely. You always do need some kind of a base for a story to happen on. And it really does provide a, a foundation. Finger knitting, having lots and lots of plaited wool uh, and so that there can be strings, strings to tie with or weave with. That's also a wonderful thing to have around always. And your wooden furniture, if you can have it rather than plastic, chairs and table, can you use them in different ways? Can you turn them upside down and climb on them? Can you put a chair on a table and use that to climb on? People are quite risk averse today. And I think as long as you are allowing the children to try out things, they actually become very able 
So you watch them, you supervise, uh, you help them when they ask you for it. But the more they're able to climb on their own, the more they become safe. Um, I think standing dolls and animals, simple ones, a quiet little reading corner. You always need some place where you can go and you know you can be quiet and often helps to drape a cloth or a little teepee over it. Um, so those things are really good. And then outdoors, of course, being able to climb a tree is the best thing. Uh, and if you don't have a tree, to create some kind of ladders that you can make structures out of is very special. And to, I know, Jake, you get your children involved in making your environment. So for children to learn how to make a stepladder is a very special thing too. So I think these are really important things to do in an environment. And we haven't spoken about a simple, simple uh, bought toy along the way. These are all things that you can make and find. So um, I'm interested also, Jake, because you've had so much experience with children of different ages together, is just um, how, what are the key things we need to be mindful of in terms of children playing together? I know often educators are a bit afraid of the chaos or everybody rushing out or, you know, so they like to control things much more. And we're talking about an enabling environment so that the educator isn't the controlling being, even though you might be the carrying being. Um, what would you say about um, how you support children so that you can be free to observe and enjoy them? Yes, that, that's it's really important that uh, there are some boundaries, some social guidelines uh, that are there to ensure that uh, the, this free play can continue uninterrupted. So if a child uh, it falls and is hurt, then that's, you know, that's a pause to the game and we need to address that straight away. Um, if there's an altercation over an item, then that, that's a pause to the game and needs to be resolved. And these are all natural challenges that arise, but uh, I believe my job as an educator and facilitator of a positive learning environment is to create the space where these um, challenges arise but are smoothly resolved, you know, without too much uh, blockage of that energy flow we've been talking about. And this is actually a part of the CERT 3 that we teach here at Organisational Learning Australia. There's a whole unit on supporting the holistic development of children and in particular providing a positive learning environment and the there are some key themes that go into um, creating this environment and considerations that you can take uh, when looking at your space um, so that you can enable this free flow of play the first one for for me particularly has to be has to be developing a culture of respect within the house so uh, you know, I respect the children as individuals and beings of, of becoming and belonging in the space. And uh, in turn, the children respect the space and myself and the other children. And this culture of respect builds on itself so that uh, we are all respecting each other and the space so that 
free play and free flow of energy and this narrative um, play that we're talking about can continue without um, interruption. So there's, a, I mean, little rules that we've all uh, work by in society is I, I don't let any running happen in the house. That, that's one of the first rules. Um, and it's come out of observation. So every time a child runs in our house, there's always uh, an injury of some sort. There's a child might run from the inside to the outside and crash into someone who's who's running outside. Running outside is totally fine, but the the running inside always causes trouble. We've got a tiled floor which is quite slippery, or there's uh, often objects on the floor, and it's a small space. And this is a rule that carries over through um, throughout life. Uh, and and actually. It, it, nowadays, if you see someone running inside, you straight away think, oh, there's something wrong, you know, because we're conditioned to, to not run inside. Um, so, And that has been a pretty important boundary uh, to maintain that uh, the respect of the place and the respect of, uh, of our fellow players or fellow children so that this free flow can happen. Um, but other than, once you've established some basic boundaries like that and a, a culture of respect, then this free flow of, uh, of play can continue uninterrupted. And, and that's really what we're going for. And these play sessions go for about 45 minutes from within, after which uh, there has to be some sort of transition transition, so either morning tea or transitioning to an excursion or transitioning to lunch or and then transitioning to, to sleep or, you know, there's usually some sort of shift and um, you can link two 45-minute play cycles together, much like you do with uh, sleep, in that there might be a play that happens for 45 minutes and then you'll sense as an educator that there's a bit of a gap there. Um, there might be some issue over uh, sharing or toys or, or what's who's playing what and who's do, who's being the mum and who's being the dad. And then you might have to get involved to then allow and facilitate the next 45 minutes of play to happen. And that's that's a skill that you develop and, and you work on through ob observation of the children. But there are other key considerations for creating and maintaining a positive environment for children. Uh, and we go into this detailed in the CERT 3 um, early Childhood Education and Care course um, with Organisational Learning Australia. Um, and I'm just going to rattle off a few here, just so you get an idea of what the uh, of what we talk about in the course. Um, the first one, for sure, is providing an environment that supports children's health and safety. So that's, it's super important. Uh, if the children don't feel safe, then they'll they'll feel anxious and in fear and that's one of the first blocks that we have as as humans isn't it that as soon as we feel uh, in danger then everything shuts down until that danger subsides and we can continue on with our with our day or with our play uh, the second phase is to have some thought behind the environment and how this reflects your values and beliefs so uh, there should be a little subtle message in the environment on on how you want the children to play so if there's broken this is a good example if there's broken tools or broken toys lying about it's it, it's subtly suggesting that it's okay to be breaking uh, toys, you know, to be just to, to be disrespecting the space and and the the toys that are there. So ensuring that care is taken. If there's a broken toy, then we gather it up, we take it over. Wood wooden toys. This is why I love wooden toys, is because they can easily be glued back together or fixed with a screw, and it's, that becomes part of the care and attention that goes into the space. And it's a really great skill to have too. 
so we've already talked about the layout of the environment and how uh, small spaces will need a little more attention to, to large spaces. In large spaces, you do need a defined boundary, like at a park, you would need a fence line, which you can say, yeah, don't go past that fence line. In a small space, you need to make sure there's enough uh, free flow for uh, children to move without hurting themselves. And how we've already talked about how to display resources um, so that children can use them, so that love and attention that goes into to displaying the resources that you have. Uh, Open-ended resources, like you were saying, Carol, is super important to allow that free flow of uh, imagination to occur within the space. Uh, using what you have, so as you said, Carol, as well, we, we haven't brought in any toys that you really need to buy. The, these are all things a lot of these things you can find or have donated and you can engage your families too. Another key point where you can uh, ask families to look out for certain objects or, or supply certain objects or bring in something uh, like this and, and it engages the families in your service and makes them feel, feel more connected to the children in care. Uh, and also a key point which sometimes gets overlooked is demonstrating a cultural diversity and respect for other cultures in your environment. Uh, we can do this by displaying resources and materials from the local communities and other, and other countries as well. Uh, indigenous stories, we can have indigenous stories on the bookshelf. You can even have the, the, the flag placed somewhere and this will engage the children. They'll notice it. They might ask a question one day and it might start a story. And that's that's the idea. And that's, that's the really beautiful thing about these objects that you can intentionally place in the environment to engage the children. Then the idea, the ideal is that we should strive to make uh, this play space something warm, uh, inviting, uh, beautiful, uh, inspirational, and, and challenging as well. And that takes uh, is a, offers a program that takes its inspiration from the changing of the seasons and the natural world. And from this can be derived all such uh, beautiful activities, like an endless amount of activities involving these natural materials. Uh, that includes movement and art, singing, painting, drawing, craft, knotting, working with wool, woodworking, all kinds of activities and that's the open-endedness of the resources that it allows for an infinite uh, potential. Wow that's really wonderful to hear Jake. Um, so much wealth of experience and obviously trial and error and I think um, this is what's absolutely fundamental is as human beings we have the, we, we have the imagination, we have access to the metaphors that nature provides for us um, to create um, an extension of home to the children when they come uh, into our spaces. This episode has been sponsored by Ignite Minds. We teach play-based learning from within our nourishing homes under the family daycare umbrella. Inspired educators join our team. This podcast was produced by The Jones Collective, thejoneselective.com.au. Chat to us today about your podcast.